he's not coming down the chimney with a bag over his shoulder. <gasps> it's him! It's him! I thought he wasn't coming! Yeah, yeah! Welcome to the Better Each Day podcast radio show with Bruce Hilliard. Today and every day, reaching out for innovative ideas in every way. Yeah, Today's show is yeah. brought to you by your future. It comes with a lifetime guarantee. Ooh, make a better stay now, baby. Merry Christmas from the groove to the tunes of Rube Tubin and Rondonna's Better Each Day Toy Shop. It's a joy little shop where each Christmas time I write a new song for the occasion. It's a time when I compare my music to the classics like the number one selling single of all time, White Christmas. If that doesn't humble your Irving Berlin, I don't know what will. Little Drummer Boy by Tacoma-born Bing Crosby. I like the one he did with David Bowie. Coincidentally, I was reflecting back on chestnuts roasting on an open fire the Christmas song, co-written and originally sung by Mel Torme. Then down the internet, it came with a clatter. I clicked on my mouse to see what was the matter. An email from a promotion manager with a new song, written and performed by the son of the Velvet Fog himself, Mel Torme. Steve March Torme has a new holiday song, Just For You. Steve is the son of the legendary singer-songwriter Mel Torme and the stepson the well-known actor-comedian Hal March. Steve is a very talented entertainer in his own right since the late 1970s. And he has been a successful singer, entertainer, recording artist, TV and radio host, and has toured extensively worldwide in an ever-growing fan base. Steve has written a brand new Christmas song entitled, I Remember Christmas Time. It's a beautiful, nostalgic, sentimental salute to fond remembrances of the Christmas season. Steve, how are you, man? Located, by the way. I'm up in Seattle. Ah, gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Up in Seahawk. Yeah, where are you? I am in Appleton, Wisconsin. <laughs> I never would have guessed that. Yeah. No, and I was saying, really, why? Why are you in Appleton, Wisconsin? Why would you do that? That's where I am. It, it sounds nice. It's okay. It's got, it's got those nice American names. Appleton, where everybody's happy. Wee! It sounds good, uh, yeah. It's a nice place. Nice place. Is Seattle cold right now? I would think so. It's getting... It's kind of rainy and probably in the mid-30s. Yeah. Yeah, it doesn't uh, like too yeah, cool. we, no, it's cold here. We had uh day before yesterday, woke up to take my girls to school and it was a balmy one. Oh man. Yeah. Uh-huh. That sounds like yeah. what Wisconsin should be to me. Yeah. At is, least in, in December, yes. Is that where Absolutely. they wear cheese things on their heads and stuff at football games? Uh, I'm afraid so. Oh, okay. <laughs> cheese <laughs> things. It's pretty cheese things on their heads. I don't know why, but <laughs> you're looking yeah. sharp. Oh thank you. It's cheddar. It's, Home of the Packers, so what are you going to do? I know. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, I'm a singer-songwriter over here that works at Home Depot. Oh, really? To pay the bills, yeah. Well, good. Yeah. If you're working at all, you're ahead of the game. I know. COVID was a long, slow process. I don't know Boy. what you did, but pretty much everybody I know was recording. They were just, you know. Sitting. Well, yeah. You know, I also do what you do. I, I've been doing radio here in Wisconsin for 10 years. So when I'm not on the road doing shows, I'm here doing radio. And it was the same thing. I did a I did a virtual concert for the radio station, and hopefully never again. It was one of the strangest things I've ever done. It was so strange to sit here in my office and play a song, and then it's just deafening silence. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I mean, it's just such a strange thing to to have happen. Yeah, you're wondering how um, the sound is and everything else. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But you do what you got to do. So hopefully, I mean, I'm lucky. I've got I have ten concerts this month. 
And, you know, there are groups that didn't do 10 concerts this year. Yeah. So I'm very and very, very happy to be working. You got the song, obviously, yes? I did. I love it. Oh, well, well thank you. I hope so. That That's great. So you guys are going to play it, I presume? Yeah. Christmas time was a wondrous time when we were young, a treasured memory. The sweet smell of evergreens filled with twinkling lights on winter nights with friends and family. so sublime I see the smiles on every face and I remember Christmas time carols sing of Christmas cheer of the joy and hope and love we hear in children's voices Someone sings the Christmas song As I pass under the mistletoe With chestnuts roasting I'm driving down my childhood lane Past a life that once was mine A new family lives inside that space I remember Christmas time Good night, good life Presently comes the past Good friends, great wife Memories are made Park today with a two year old and a four year old who call me daddy. I sat and I closed my eyes and I listened to the joyous sounds of my kids laughing. Someday when we're gathered in our home. As we sing out old Lang Syne We'll hold these moments in our hearts And we'll remember Christmas time Yes, I remember Christmas time Looking at uh, your stuff, you've really done some 
incredible things and worked with a lot of incredible people and i'm going down what's yeah i've been like you can drop a lot of names yeah oh that's that's easy to do when i go on the road and do press you know whether it's a radio interview or or a you know, paper interview and they always ask so what's it like you know being mel torme son and you know the musicians you must have grown up with and i said well that would make for a good story but that's not what happened because my folks got divorced when i was about two years old so i grew up you know, the reason I have these two last names, I grew up with um, the guy who was the host of the $64,000 question show, Hal March. So all of his friends were the Borschfeld comedians. And our our weekend, just like every single weekend, we had dinner parties. And it was Milton Berle and, and Lucille Ball and uh, Jack Carter and Red Buttons. Oh, my and God. Phil, yeah, I, so I grew up around all the Borschfeld comedians. So it was great. I mean, I got very lucky to in a household that was funny all the time. That's exciting. You you even worked with Liza Minnelli, didn't you? Yeah, Liza and I've been friends a long time. We met a long time ago, and she was going to do an album for Columbia. It was her last contracted album for Columbia, and she never really sold albums. I mean, I think the only albums that ever sold for her was Liza with a Z, which was taken from that show she did, and she was going to have Barry Manilow produce this last album for Columbia, and he couldn't. He was going on the road, and she had heard my first album for United Artists and we'd kind of known each other and she called me up and said what do you think about you producing my album I said well I'm flattered that you're asking uh, I said I could co-produce it because just technically I wouldn't know enough how to literally push all the buttons but I can get my producer to do it with you and so we decided to do a very different album for it because we had nothing to lose said, you know I, I wouldn't say this out loud to her but I just felt like you know we're not going to ruin a track record here by not selling enough albums let's let's take her out of the box and do some stuff that's that's real different for her and I thought we ended up with a really cool album called Tropical Nights. And they played it in a lot of the discos in New York and had a pretty good following. And it was just fun working with her. She's a really nice, lovely person who every time I've spent any time with her, I've, I've, I've had fun with. Nothing, nothing but good stuff to say about her. That's so good to hear. I think my brother went to college in Appleton. Did you go to college? No, I wasn't smart enough. <laughs> no, I think you were smart and didn't, because so, I did. You know, your your career, I think, was kind of out there for you. I know you had to work your butt off to make it happen, but it was kind of there, and I would think it would have been sort of strange to, you know, take a detour and go to college and, and all that. Well, it, 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 you know what? Maybe I should have. Who knows? Uh, I have no idea. I just know that I realized early on. This is what I do. I'm going to be a musician. I'm going to be spending a lot of time on the road and I'm going to be writing and being in front of audiences. And that doesn't mean I shouldn't have gone to college. I just didn't. I went for I went for uh, half a semester in Santa Monica and said, that's it. And I was gone. Doesn't mean I was right, but it's what I did. Yeah, it, make, it makes sense when you're working with other musicians. How many of them went to college? Most of them, I think, <clears throat> in my experience, learned you know, and maybe in high school and then went on a little bit, but they uh, learned in a garage, garage bands and rehearsals and stuff like that. I don't know. My experience. Yeah, you kind of learn it on the run. You just, you work with other musicians and you pick stuff up and you just keep working at it. And again, you can learn an awful lot in college. There's nothing wrong with it. You know, this, we, this, these 10 concerts that we are doing right now are in the Midwest. They're in Wisconsin and Michigan. And I think we're going to Illinois. And one of the three, headliners in this concert is a guy named Mark Wood, who was the one of the founding members of Trans-Siberian Orchestra. And he's a Juilliard grad. So, you know, it was very smart for him to go to college, for sure. I just took a different path, that's all. It was written by a guy named Billy Mills. Let's see what you think. You've got to 
give a little, take a little. Let your poor heart break a little. That's the story of, that's the glory of love. You gotta laugh a little, cry a little, let the clouds roll by a little. That's the story of. That's the glory of love As long as there's the two of us We've got the world and all its charms When the world is through with us Pretty baby, we've still got each other's arms Gotta win a little, lose a little, always have those blues, but just a little, cause that's the story of, that's the glory of love. As long as there's the two of us, we've got the world and all Charms when the world is through with us. Oh, baby, we've got each other's arms. You've got to win a little, you're gonna lose a little. Have those damn blues, but just a little. That's the story of, that's the glory of love. That's the story of, that is the glory of love. Do you ever find yourself having to notate music, good old-fashioned manuscript paper for other musicians? Um, you know what? I don't. I work with other people and do that. I can I can read chord charts and I can play by ear. Uh, and if someone plays, you know, tells me on, on, on a piano or a guitar, play an A minor seventh uh, with a flat nine, I know how to do that. But uh, I got lazy early on as far as notating. And so I work with a couple of great arrangers and we'll sit down and I will give them the ideas, all right, here, this I hear a modulation here that goes to the minor third, and they do the grunt work. So I, I could lie to you and say, oh, of course, I can write full manuscripts, but I can't. So uh, I, I'm lucky to work with people that can. So, yeah, and, and you're good at it. I think the, the essence of music really doesn't lie in all the technicalities. But here's the big question I was leading up to. Have you seen the Beatles' new movie? Sounds funny saying the Beatles' new movie. But... You know, everybody's, ask, everybody's asking everybody that. I mean, musicians are asking yeah, each other that. Yeah, I know. It's like they were on Ed Sullivan last night. We're back in school or something, you know. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, I haven't seen it yet. The only reason I haven't is because I've been busy. I mean, obviously I'm going to, but it's like nine, nine or ten hours, I understand, the, the entire thing. And I will see it. And it's funny, Mark Wood, the guy I just told you about from Trans-Siberian, he asked me 
uh, we were in concert over the weekend. We did our first three of these, these 10 concerts. And he said, have you watched it yet? And I said, no, he goes, you're going to really like it. I said, well, I'm sure I am. I said, I've seen some interesting comments. Some people have loved it. I've seen some other comments, people saying, oh, my God, the first two hours is like watching paint dry. He said, it won't be for you. He said, for guys like you and I who are Beatles fans who understand the songwriting process, you'll really dig it. So I'm looking forward to having enough time to actually put away three hours where I'm going to do nothing else and watch it. At least get a, get a start. Have you been, I presume you've watched them. I did. I did. And the way they rehearse sounds exactly like what you described, you know, <laughs> they're bouncing ideas and talking somewhat layman's terms and stuff. Like there was one point where, mm-hmm. where McCartney tells Lennon to take the next harmony part down. And I'm thinking he's probably saying, right. yeah, a third or a six or something, you know, that sounds consonant with mm-hmm. the music or something like that. But he, but he, they don't talk in terms like that. It sounds like when we were in, we were little kids in the garage, but then I got to thinking they're still in their 20s and that's all they've ever done. They never had a lot of day right. gigs. They never poured paint at Home Depot. Right. <laughs> that's fascinating. And it's fascinating to see what they come up with just with that, you know, great imagination. Yeah, I'm, and they also said that, Despite, you know, the, the image that was portrayed, you know, and in, in afterwards in so many uh, interviews and books and whatnot, they didn't have a problem with Yoko being there. She just basically sat there and they were fine with it. I mean, it, that's what I gather. You know, you've read so much like, you know, it really it really annoyed Paul that she was there and that she was divisive and she was one of the reasons they broke up. And apparently, according to this documentary, that's just not the case. No, it's not at all. So I'm, yeah, I'm looking forward. To it. She sings on it. Yeah, you, she might not be your favorite vocalist, <laughs> but she sings, and they're like jamming no. away, banging on their instruments and stuff. And there's a lot of humor. <laughs> Lennon and McCartney wow. were, were a comic team, really, and they do full songs, singing like that, and all of it, you know, just weird stuff yep. that you only do in yep. rehearsals with your friends. And so, no, they weren't at odds with each other at all in this thing. The, the original movie made it look horrible, but no. Nah. This, this sets it straight, I think. Yeah, and you know, when people talk about, well, who's the best group of all time? First of all, the word best is so pejorative. It's like, well, what does that mean? Uh, but the truth is, there's never been a group like them, not even close. I mean, not even close. And people say, well, Stones versus Beatles, at least for my money. And I've got no issue with the Stones. Um, but they're a very good blues garage band that became a, you know, a, a big rock and roll band that had a lot of hit records, but they're not even close. No, no, no group comes close to the Beatles as far as songwriting, as far as influence, uh, as, you know, as far as the different types of music, you know, the Stones aren't going to come up with for the benefit of Mr. Kite. And they're not going to come up with Eleanor Rigby, but they could certainly come up with the, you know, the one, four, five, you know, blues idiom that, that the Stones did a lot of their songs in. And again, it's kind of an unfair comparison because they're just very different from each other. But no other group came along at any time, 60s, 70s or 80s, where everybody changed their entire wardrobe and the way they talk and the way they wore their hair. None. Just the Beatles. How many people do you know that said yeah, I saw him on Sullivan and I knew what I wanted to do. Or I heard the White Album. I'll stand in line and take a number. <laughs> I know. I was again. Yeah, I was one of them. And again, when I do interviews, they go, What? So, how did your dad influence you? I said, He didn't. I saw the Beatles and Ed Sullivan. And I said, You know what? It'd be fun. I want to do this. Yeah. Just billions of us. Once it was a way to get back homeward. Once was a way to get back home, sleep pretty darling, do not cry, and I will sing a 
Why do you mind being compared to your dad your whole life? Well, I fortunately I haven't, but you're right. You know, if I had an issue with it, I wouldn't use the last name. If it really, if it bothered me at all, and again, that's one of the main questions I'm asked in every interview. What's it like being your dad's son and you know, being a second generation performer? And I have the same answer every time. My answer is, you know what? If if I wasn't very good at this, it wouldn't matter what my last name is, if it was Torme or not. And if I am good at this it's not going to matter what my last name is. So I, I'm proud of what my dad did. He was a, a great musician. And it's my job when I get on stage within the first three notes for people to hear me and say, okay, this is not a, a tribute show to Mel Torme. This is not a Mel Torme impersonator. This guy's got his own voice and his own style. But I was also a fan of his dad's perhaps. So that's, that's kind of my job because that's what you're taking on stage with you. You've got that last name. I know that people that haven't heard me I bought a ticket and they've sat down and even subconsciously they're thinking, okay, let's see if this guy's any good. Let's see if he's as good as his old man. And there's nothing I can do about that other than just try and be as good a musician as I can. That's all. Yeah. Well, from the moment you start singing, you own it. I mean, I don't, I don't get the impression that, uh, you know, you're there because of your dad or anything like that. And it's funny that you say you, you name off the same bands that I do, the Steely Dans and the, all the yep. stuff we listen to on the radio. Yeah. And, yeah, it was unavoidable. You and I probably grew up with James Taylor and Steely Dan and oh yeah, Joni Mitchell, Ruby Brothers, and that's that's the stuff I like. I'm a big Todd Rundgren fan, especially his good stuff. Um, and none of that has anything to do with Mel Torme, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> it's Todd Rundgren of all people too. That's, that's oh fun. yeah, yeah. He, he's a good innovator, and and he works with a lot of other musicians, and I've always respected him for that. Yeah. And, uh, you know, he's put out a lot of music and not all of which I particularly like. And I'm sure he probably say the same thing about me. Uh, but his good stuff is great. I mean, he's he writes great pop songs that have gr- interesting chord changes and interesting melodies. Uh, I've His good stuff just kills me. I, I've got a bunch of his of his albums. I still play them all the time. Anyway, were you the. I'm going to get this wrong. The voice on Hundred Thousand Dollar Name That Tune 
Well, I wasn't just the voice. I, we were. I was on the show. Oh, you hosted it. No, Tom Kennedy hosted it. I was like the the voice singer in the rock band. <laughs> so, <laughs> they, you know, they, you know, Ralph Edwards on the show. You know, he had a lot of game shows, and he decided at that time he wanted to be kind of an extravaganza. Let's let's make it like uh, almost like a almost like an Ed Sullivan show. Let's let's make it splashy. So we had a big band, which was uh, headed headed up by a guy named Stan Worth who was a good musician who was better known for writing um, the theme song to George, the, George, George of the jungle. <laughs> and, and he had, oh, and then he had the rock. Too. Oh yeah. And then he had a rock band, which was us. And so anytime we did a song by the Eagles or, you know, Billy Joel or something like that, I was the one who sang it. And I did name that tune for three years. That was a great gig. That was a, you know, that's ABC television, Yeah, man. Wasn't hard work. You sing a few notes at a time and try to look good. And that was it. That was a great gig. And could you go home every night? Oh, yeah. We shot the whole thing, and we shot the entire season in, like, two weeks. Oh. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We just stay there and keep shooting all day long. We shoot, like, five shows a day, and it'd be done. And then we would watch it later on. So, that, like I said, great gig. I always thought they should have done that with Leave it to Beaver, because he got old uh, too early in the series. <laughs> well, I don't know anybody who's getting younger. <laughs> <laughs> you, got, you got to be a teenager. You're still supposed to be a little boy in the show. It just didn't work anymore. Ah, come on, Wally. <laughs> I don't know why I digressed on that, but anyway. Quite all right. Yeah. Quite all right. Well, your music is awesome, and I'm so glad that this was sent to me. Uh, I did know well, thank of you, but I, I went and I listened to all your stuff. Very, very good. And I just don't, oh, thank you. Yeah, I don't, I don't know why jazz and uh, whatever you call your genre isn't bigger than it is. Well, you know what? I'm kind of a, I don't know, kind of an odd egg. I mean, I do pop jazz. And I don't think there's a huge market for that commercially, um, but it's what I do. So um, my my job is to, like I said, do live shows and have people come up afterwards and say, Jen, never heard of you before, but I'll buy your CD. So uh, if we can get, I remember Christmas time off the ground and, and get someone hopefully to cover it next year, because again, as much as I like my version of it, I would love to have somebody cover this tune because that's how I'm going to get the song out there. And that's how I'm going to you know make some money from it. So we'll see. We'll see. Well, that's cool. I want to thank you for your time. Thank you for, for taking the time to do this. You're helping me more than I'm helping you. So thank you. All right, Steve. You take care. All right. Stay warm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All righty. Merry Christmas, buddy. You got it. And happy holidays. Okay. <laughs> Bye-bye. Make a better stay in Listening to the Better Each Day Podcast Radio Show with Bruce Hilliard. We'll be back with a new horizon, but until then, honor the future. It comes with a lifetime guarantee. And we're all just trying to make the next day a bit better. And I know this episode would not be complete without hearing the Christmas song by Mel Torme. Here you go. Chestnuts roasting on an open fire Jack Frost nipping at your nose Yuletide carols 
being sung by a choir and folks dressed up like Eskimos. Everybody knows a turkey and some mistletoe help to make the season bright. Tiny little tots with their eyes all aglow will find it hard to sleep tonight. They know that Santa's on his way. He's loaded lots of toys and goodies on his sleigh. And every mother's child is gonna spy to see if reindeer really know how to fly So I'm offering this simple phrase to kids from one to ninety-two Though it's been said many times Many ways, Merry Christmas to you. Love and joy come to you, and to you your carol too. And God bless you and send you a happy And God send you